Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory, or even the quality of a senior's healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, I'm going to do something a little different. It's October, which in North America means it's that time of the year when health providers start encouraging everyone to get a flu shot. We do this because flu season tends to get going in November. Now, because I know that many older adults and many people in general are skeptical of the need to get a yearly vaccine against influenza, last year I wrote a detailed article about the flu shot for better health while aging, covering what to know about influenza and flu shots, including what to know about special quote-unquote stronger vaccines that are available for older adults. And I also recorded a related podcast, which is episode 50. Well, as you may have heard, last year ended up being a real doozy of a flu season. It was exceptionally severe. We had record numbers of people get sick of all ages, but also many older adults. We had record numbers of people get hospitalized. And unfortunately, we had record numbers of deaths due to influenza last year. The Center for Disease Control, the CDC, just released some statistics at the end of September, and they estimate that 80,000 Americans died due to influenza last year. That is much, much more than usual. Uh, the flu varies in severity from year to year, but usually the death toll is estimated at somewhere between 12,000 and 56,000 deaths per year. So last year was really intense. Now, this season is unlikely to be as bad, but still, given how many people got sick last year, I feel it's important to encourage everyone again this October to get informed about influenza, get informed about influenza vaccination, and consider getting that flu vaccine. I would encourage you to get it. And I just got my own earlier this week. So last week, I updated and republished my article on flu vaccination. And what I'm going to do is I've decided to reissue the podcast episode on the topic with just this new introduction added on in which I'm covering a few things that are new compared to last year. In terms of the basics of what is influenza, how the flu vaccine works, why this matters to the health of older adults, which flu vaccines older people should consider, what to do if your older parent or relative can't or won't get vaccinated, None of that has changed compared to last year. The main things that have changed, one is we have the news and statistics about how bad the flu season was last year. And the other thing is that this year there is a live intranasal vaccine available again. It was actually not recommended for two years in a row. The brand name is Flumist. It was not recommended due to concerns that it wasn't as effective as the injected vaccines, but now it's back. Now, this is not a vaccine that has ever been approved for older adults. It's for people age 2 through 49. 
I'm mentioning it right now just because if you are a listener under age 50, or if you are involved in deciding to vaccinate your children or your grandchildren, then I want to say this vaccine is available again. You might hear about it. And I also want you to know that there was a little bit of controversy about whether it should be approved by the CDC or not. And in fact, the American Academy of Pediatrics issued a statement earlier this year encouraging parents to choose the flu shot rather than the nasal vaccine if possible because they feel that that gives children a better chance at avoiding serious illness from influenza. So if that statement is of interest to you, I will post a link to it in the show notes. Again, the nasal vaccine has never been an option for older adults, but the fact that it's back is one notable change related to flu vaccines for the fall of 2018. And now, let me offer you the replay of episode 50 on flu vaccines. This episode will cover everything I think you should know about influenza and vaccination for older adults. And then I'll also be posting a link in the show notes to the full article, which is updated for the fall of 2018 with all updated links and a little bit of updated information in the body of the article. So please enjoy and then get that flu vaccine if you can. In today's episode, we are going to talk about flu shots, about getting the seasonal vaccine against influenza. I'm recording this episode in October. And back when I worked in a primary care clinic, this is the month when we made a big push to offer the seasonal flu shot to all of our patients, and we got ourselves immunized as well. But not all of our patients agreed. Many older adults, and many people in general, are skeptical of the need to get a yearly vaccination against influenza. They're not sure it will help, or they think that the flu shot will actually give them a mild case of the flu, or they just don't like needles. Or maybe they aren't sure now of which type of seasonal flu shot to get. Especially if you're older, you might be wondering, am I supposed to get the regular one or one of these newer, quote, stronger versions that are designed for older adults? So I'm never surprised when people bring up these questions because vaccination for seasonal influenza can indeed be a confusing topic. But it's certainly important to consider. And the reason for this is that although often influenza is bad but manageable, it does affect millions of people every year. And for a certain uh, minority of those people who get the flu, they will become sick enough to be hospitalized or even die. So depending on the year, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, estimates that every year influenza affects 9 to 60 million Americans, that it causes 140,000 to 710,000 hospitalizations, and that it results in 12,000 to 56,000 deaths. Now, why is there this range? Well, the um, influenza viruses change every year, and in some years they are more severe than others, either because the virus itself provokes a stronger illness in people, and many of us have heard about the sort of famous influenza pandemic uh, early in the 20th century. So sometimes the flu virus itself just makes people sicker. And then it's also just a question of how much it's spread throughout the population. And that's a little bit variable too. So again, many people do get better without needing hospitalization. They're just miserably sick for a few days. But some people get very sick and older adults are especially likely to get dangerously ill from catching the flu. So anybody who has 
a less strong immune system, younger children, older adults, people with chronic illnesses, those are people who are at higher risk for influenza. Pregnant women also would fall into that category. So because at a population level, the flu can make so many people sick enough to be hospitalized and can even cause death, I do agree with the CDC's recommendation that everyone over the age of six months should get a seasonal flu vaccine or at least seriously consider it. And in fact, I'm going to be going to get mine later this week. And I'm a healthy woman in my 40s, so I'm not that concerned about getting dangerously ill from influenza. But I especially get my annual flu shot because I want to minimize my chance of getting sick and perhaps exposing my older patients to influenza. I also have younger children. I live a busy life. And if I can uh, spare myself a few days of being very sick, so much better. So since I know that this month you'll probably be encouraged to get your own annual vaccination, and just so you know, it's recommended to do it in October because that's before the flu season usually starts, but you can actually be vaccinated for the flu anytime during the winter. But since I know that this month you'll probably see a lot of encouragement to get vaccinated, I decided to do this episode. I also wrote an article for the website, which summarizes all of this and has lots of resources. And so here's what I'm going to cover to help you better understand your choices regarding the flu shot and how it might help you. I'm going to start by covering the basics of influenza and vaccination against the flu, how influenza makes people sick and how the vaccine protects people. And then I'm going to talk about what you should know about flu shots that are designed for older adults. And I'll talk about which flu vaccine is probably best for most older adults. And then I'll finish by talking about what you can do if your older parent or relative is unwilling or unable to get vaccinated. So let's get started. The basics of influenza and vaccination against the flu. I'm going to start by addressing the question, what exactly is influenza? Influenza is a contagious respiratory viral illness. So it's caused by a virus, and it tends to be in the respiratory tract, which means your nose, uh, your upper airways, and can go down into the lower part of your airways, which is your lungs. And the illness of having influenza is caused by one of two viruses, influenza A or influenza B. There actually are a few other influenza viruses. I think there's a C and D, but they usually don't make people sick. What are the symptoms of influenza infection? Influenza, which we also, as you know, often call the flu, causes symptoms such as sore throat, stuffy nose, cough, fever, and body aches. And in the Northern Hemisphere, influenza is most common in the winter months. Peak influenza activity usually occurs sometime between December and February, but it can start as early as October and it can occur also as late as May. Now, like many illnesses, there can be a spectrum of severity when it comes to somebody's illness from the flu. And how severely somebody gets ill depends both on the person themselves and the state of their immune system and their body. And then it also depends on just that year how, in healthcare, we would say virulent, how sort of strong and nasty the virus is because the flu virus does change from year to year. Most people who will catch the flu and get sick will experience what we call uncomplicated influenza. And in that case, the flu causes symptoms that are similar to, uh, but usually feel much worse than, a very bad cold. So they'll have that sore throat, stuffy nose, cough, 
fever and they'll especially have like the body aches. Now, not everybody gets them. Some people are found to have the flu and they will have uh, mild symptoms and a certain number of people will even have the flu and shed virus and not feel any symptoms at all. So it is kind of variable depending on the person. And in some people, influenza causes more serious illness and causes some related health problems. And so we call these complications, or we could say that this is a complicated case of influenza. And the most common complication of influenza is pneumonia, which means a serious infection of the lungs. And that pneumonia can either be a viral pneumonia caused directly by influenza, or it can actually be a bacterial pneumonia, which infects the lungs while the body is weakened by influenza. So that's one of the most common and feared complications, but some people experience other forms of complication. And again, having a more severe or complicated case of influenza is much more likely in people who are older, have other chronic conditions, or have a weakened immune system. It's also been noted that many older adults who already have a chronic heart or lung condition will experience a worsening of that condition. So if they have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, that could get worse. Or if they have heart failure, that could get worse when they experience influenza. And so these types of complications are what can cause hospitalization or even death. Now, in this episode, I'm not going to cover the details of exactly how we diagnose the flu or treat the flu, but if you want to learn more about that in the related article, which I'll post in the show notes, uh, for each of these sections, I have some additional links where you can learn more. And so I have links to some resources on how we diagnose the flu and how we treat the flu. So that's influenza infection. For some people, they'll uh, just feel slightly blonde, maybe shed virus, but for many people, it'll be an unpleasant several days. And then for some people, it'll be serious illness, hospitalization, and possibly even death. Now, how does influenza vaccination help protect one from the flu and how effective is it? So the way the flu vaccine works is that it stimulates the body to produce antibodies against whatever strains of influenza were included in that year's vaccine. And after vaccination, it takes two weeks for the body's immune system to create the influenza antibodies. The tricky thing about influenza is this. Both influenza A and B have a tendency to be constantly changing into slightly different strains. They basically have these outer proteins on the outside of the virus, and they keep rearranging them. And this means that if your body creates antibodies to the flu one year, either because you were vaccinated or because you were exposed to the flu, those antibodies aren't necessarily going to be effective against the flu the following year. And why does this matter? Well, the way the body fights off viral infections more quickly is it's able to do so if we already have matching antibodies available when the virus first arrives in our body. If we don't have the matching antibodies available, then we tend to experience more illness and it takes longer for our immune system to control the infection because the immune system has to get started fighting it off at that moment instead of having antibodies handy right at the beginning to beat back the infection. So we do a yearly vaccination against the flu because since it's constantly shifting, we have scientists, public health scientists who study influenza every year and every summer they sort of look at which strains have been circulating and they make a prediction 
for which ones they think that we as a population will be most likely to be exposed to during the coming winter. And then the vaccine manufacturers create a vaccine that will simulate antibodies against the strain that they're expecting. Sometimes their prediction works out well. Actually, often it works out pretty well. And so in this case, we say the vaccine was well-matched to influenza viruses circulating that winter. And the vaccine will be more effective in preventing the flu. But every now and then, there are years in which the influenza strains that actually arrive in the wintertime are not the ones that they had been expecting or are pretty different. And so those are years in which the flu vaccine is not well-matched. And in that case, the vaccine will offer a lot less protection. So this is one of the reasons why the protection from the flu vaccine is variable, is because it's dependent on the prediction that the researchers made and how well their prediction matched the flu viruses that actually arrived that winter. The CDC does estimate that when the vaccine is well-matched to the circulating influenza viruses, flu vaccination reduces your risk of flu illness by between 40 to 60% for the overall population. So it's not a slam dunk. You can have a well-matched vaccine and get exposed to the flu virus and still get the flu, but your chances of falling ill are generally reduced by half. And that is considered pretty good. And given the number of people who are exposed to the flu and get sick from the flu, that's still millions of people who can avoid illness by being vaccinated when the vaccine is a good match. Now, every year, several different flu vaccines are available. I'll post a link specifically to this in the show notes, but the CDC has a table showing all the flu vaccines that are available this year. Some are recommended specifically for older adults. Some are actually not recommended for older adults. The table that I'll share in the show notes has the ages posted for it. So there are lots and lots of different flu vaccines. And so it can get a little confusing to look at that table. So let me explain a few things that go into the different types of vaccines. So first of all, there's trivalent flu vaccine versus quadrivalent. And trivalent have been available for longest, and these protect against three strains of influenza. That's why they're called trivalent. They protect against two strains of influenza A and one of influenza B. So basically in the vaccine, they've included antigens that correspond to three strains of influenza. And then since 2012, some manufacturers have also been offering a quadrivalent flu vaccine. And this protects against two types of influenza A and two types of influenza B. So it protects against four strains of influenza in all. And then vaccines can also vary in terms of whether they are standard dose versus high dose. High dose contains a um, stronger dose of influenza proteins to um, stimulate the immune system a little bit better. And then there's also another type of vaccine, which I'll discuss um, in a little more detail later in the episode when I talk about vaccines for older adults. There's one type that includes something called an adjuvant. So an adjuvant is basically an additive designed to increase the immune system's response to the vaccine. So basically, if you want to stimulate more of an immune system response, you can either put in a bigger dose of what you want the immune system to respond to, or you can add an additive that kind of stimulates and gooses the immune system to respond more strongly to the virus proteins that were included in the vaccine. And generally, you want more response from the immune system 
in that it means the immune system creates more antibodies and is better prepared to protect the person from a future infection. And I'll talk a little bit more about that again in a moment when I address vaccines for older adults. Now, what about the risks of the flu shots? What are the downsides? And specifically, people are often concerned that they might be able to get the flu from the flu shot or that there might be other risks. So it turns out that you cannot get the flu from the flu shot, especially from the shots that um, are available this year. The currently recommended vaccines are made either with inactivated virus. So this means the virus has been killed. It can't become alive again. So there are pieces of the virus and the virus proteins for the body to recognize it and create antibodies, but it's not a live virus. It cannot actually start spreading the body and create the flu. Or there are some vaccines right now that are made with what is called recombinant technology. So this means they have cobbled together virus proteins on their own. And that kind of cobbled together protein is, again, it's never going to be a live virus, so it cannot actually give you the flu. Now, there used to be a live attenuated form of the flu shot. So this means that it's a live flu virus, but they have weakened it using um, special technologies. And this was the flu vaccine that was available with a little mist that you put in the nose. It was quite popular, especially with children or with people who didn't like needles. And it used to be available for people ages two through 49. It's called flu mist. So flu mist was studied and the CDC concluded a few years ago that it actually didn't work well enough to be used again. So they advised against using the vaccine flu mist for the 2016-2017 flu season. And they decided to reiterate that uh, warning and recommendation for the current flu season. So for this current flu season, 2017-2018, the nasal flu shot that contained the live weakened virus is not recommended. They found that it did not provide enough protection from flu infection a few years ago. So what about side effects and risks from the flu shot? So the most common side effect of the flu shot is arm soreness and arm redness. People do sometimes report body aches, fever, or cough after the flu shot. This is why they think they've had the flu. But this is when a randomized trial can come in handy. And a randomized trial was done where half the people got a real flu shot and half the people got a saline injection, and they did not know which they got. And what they found was that people who got the real flu shot did have more arm soreness and more redness, but the two groups had equal numbers of people getting the body aches, fever, or cough. So that means that those symptoms are either due to just coincidentally getting sick from a virus or something soon after your flu shot, or it could even be that people are expecting to feel lousy because just as there's a positive placebo effect, where sometimes when people expect that something's going to help them, they actually get better. And we see this often in trials. There's also a negative placebo effect that has been seen many times where when people are expecting to feel poorly or some kind of negative consequence from taking a medication, even when they're not given the active medication, a certain number of people will actually experience it. So that would be another possibility for why people feel lousy after the flu shot, because we do know that there's quite a lot of connection actually between the mind and the body. Beyond that, should you worry about a serious reaction to the flu? So it turns out that those are extremely rare. So it does happen, but very, very rare and quite occasional. So unless you've had a serious 
event in the past, you generally should be pretty safe getting a flu shot. So next thing you might want to know about the flu. People often want to know, well, what are the best ways to protect oneself from influenza and its complications? And often they're hoping to hear about things other than the flu shot. So if you want to reduce your risk of getting sick from the flu, you basically need to combine two approaches. The first is to minimize your exposure to people who are spreading influenza virus in the winter, because that is how you're going to get the flu is you're going to get it from somebody else who has it and is spreading the virus. And then the other approach that you want to consider is taking steps to bolster your immune system so that if you do get exposed to the virus, you'll be less likely to get sick because we know that uh, just in going through life, we're constantly exposed to things and we don't always get sick. And whether or not we get sick is dependent on a lot of factors. And I'll mention a few of those in a moment. An additional approach that older adults in particular should consider is to make sure that you are up to date on your pneumococcal vaccination, which now requires two different vaccinations. So this has often been called by patients the pneumonia shots. It's a vaccination against a bacteria that's called streptococcus pneumoniae. We often refer to it as pneumococcus for short in healthcare. This bacteria can cause pneumonia and can cause a very serious pneumonia, but it can actually cause other forms of infection in the body. And also being vaccinated against this bacteria doesn't prevent all pneumonias or even most pneumonias because pneumonias can be caused by a large variety of different bacteria and viruses as well. So it is often called the pneumonia shot, but it's more accurate to call it the vaccine against pneumococcus. And for a long time, there was one one-time vaccine recommended for older adults. It's called Pneumovax. And then a few years ago, the CDC started recommending that older adults also get vaccinated with a different pneumococcal vaccination, which is called Prevnar, which has actually been given to children for quite a while. So why are there two of them? Pneumovax protects against 23 strains of pneumococcus And the other one, Prevnar, protects against 13 strains. And the CDC reviewed the data and concluded that your best bet as an older adult is to get both of them for the maximum protection. So these are supposed to be one time after the age of 65. And you actually can't get both pneumococcal vaccinations at the same time. You're supposed to have an interval of 6 to 12 months between them. But you can get either of them at the same time as your seasonal flu shot. And if you want to learn more about the pneumococcal vaccine, I'll put a link in the show notes. So why is it important in terms of protection from getting very sick from the flu? As I mentioned earlier, for people who do get sicker from influenza, one common and potentially devastating complication is to get a bacterial pneumonia, such as one caused by the streptococcus pneumoniae. And so being up to date on your pneumococcal vaccination can protect you from that. And actually, a 2016 meta-analysis did conclude that being vaccinated for both influenza and pneumococcus was associated with a lower risk of pneumonia and death for older adults. Now, how can you minimize your exposure to influenza virus? Let me share a couple more specifics about this. So the main way that people get exposed to influenza is when they breathe in air droplets containing influenza virus. So some kinds of viruses and illnesses are caught more because you get the virus on your hand and then you touch your nose and mouth. This can happen with influenza, but as best we can tell, the main 
way that it is spread is because people with the flu cough or sneeze, or even when they talk, they generate these teeny tiny little air droplets that contain virus that remain suspended in the air for a while. And other people breathe in that air, and that is how they get the influenza virus into their bodies. So the CDC estimates that a person infected with influenza virus may be contagious for one day prior to developing symptoms and five to seven days after getting sick. Influenza viruses can also survive on household surfaces. They mostly survive on hard surfaces for up to a day. They don't survive very well on soft surfaces such as bed sheets or even Kleenexes. They think that on Kleenexes, they might only survive for sort of half an hour to an hour. Based on this, the best ways to minimize exposure to influenza are to one, avoid exposure to people who may have influenza, two, clean household surfaces, especially hard surfaces such as counters, and especially if somebody living in the house has been sick, wash your hands often, especially before touching your eyes, nose, or mouth, and then consider minimizing your time if possible. Consider minimizing your time near people who have not been vaccinated for influenza. And that's because your risk of influenza exposure is reduced if people around you, such as family members, coworkers, fellow residents of wherever you're living, if they've been vaccinated for influenza. So sometimes I have people tell me my my elderly mother is homebound. She can barely get out. How will I get her a flu shot? And I say, well, if she's not really getting out of the house, then sure, it would be great for her to have a flu shot. But what might be even more important is for you, her adult child who are going out into the world and then coming, you know, into into her house, what might be more important is for you to get your flu shot and make sure that anyone else who is going in and out of the house has been vaccinated. Now let's go to the other side of the equation, which is bolstering your immune system. So basically trying to equip yourself so that if you are exposed to that influenza virus, you're less likely to get sick or less likely to get very sick. So how can you do that? Well, As I mentioned before, how sick people get does depend on the individual person and how strong their immune system is and how good their underlying health is. Because when people are feeling pretty good and their immune system is feeling pretty good, they have a much better ability to fight off the virus. So the main ways to bolster your immune system, uh, the very best way is to be vaccinated against the flu and to have those antibodies already prepared especially if the vaccine is a good match for the virus that actually arrives. But next best after that is to take care of your health and body. There are certain lifestyle factors that we know help maintain the immune system, getting adequate sleep, avoiding chronic stress, not smoking, and so forth. So if you're interested in this, I will put in the show notes a link to an interesting article from the Harvard Health Review on how to sort of maintain and boost the immune system. I don't think it's particularly specific to aging adults. I don't know that we know a ton about how to help aging immune systems in particular, but they're just generally good suggestions that are sensible to keep in mind. That covers the basics of influenza and influenza vaccination. So let me move on now to tell you a little bit more about what we know about flu shots specifically for older adults. So people often ask me, well, is the flu vaccine actually effective for older adults? Because they have heard others, including sometimes other experts or health professionals, say that the flu shot doesn't work in older people. There's a grain of truth to this, but it's not entirely correct. What is true is that the standard flu vaccine is usually less effective in older adults. And the reason for this is because as people age, 
their immune system ages as well, becomes less responsive and vigorous. And so an older person's immune system often doesn't create as many antibodies in response to the vaccine as a younger person's immune system. And that means that the vaccine is less effective and less likely to provide protection against the flu. However, less effective doesn't mean not at all effective. Depending on the person, vaccination, even with the regular flu shot, can probably somewhat reduce your risk of falling ill from the flu. And for the 2015-2016 flu season, the CDC estimated that vaccination prevented 23% of influenza-related hospitalizations for adults age 65 and older. Now, that was for people who got vaccinated with whichever um, flu vaccine. At this time, the CDC does not particularly recommend a specific flu vaccine for older adults, but there are actually flu shots that are specifically designed for older adults. So let me tell you about two of them. And it does seem like they may be more effective than the regular flu shots. The two vaccines that are specifically approved for people age 65 and older are Fluzone High Dose and another one called Fluod. Let me first tell you about Fluzone High Dose. This one has been around for longer. It is a trivalent vaccine and it contains four times the amount of antigen compared to Fluzone standard dose. In this case, this is the approach of we're going to put in a higher dose of antigen because the more antigen you give somebody, the sort of stronger the stimulus for the immune system to create antibodies. And studies have found that the high-dose vaccine does improve antibody response. Older adults who are vaccinated with this develop higher antibody titers. Also, a study published just earlier this year in 2017 found that nursing homes that use the high-dose vaccine their residents had a lower risk of hospitalization during flu season. The absolute reduction in risk was, I think, about 1%, which you might think is not a big deal, but by public health standards, if you can uh, prevent a hospitalization one person out of 100, that's often considered pretty good. The other vaccine that has been specifically approved for older adults is called Fluod. This is a trivalent vaccine that contains an adjuvant. So an additive which is meant to stimulate a better immune response to the vaccine. It's new in the United States. We actually don't have a lot, I don't think we have any right now published uh, real-world clinical evidence of how well it provides protection, but it has been licensed in Canada and European countries prior to receiving approval here in 2015. An older Italian study did find that this vaccine resulted in higher antibody titers among older adults. So those are the two vaccines available this year that are specifically available for older people. Now, even though there is evidence that they're more likely to create an antibody response, at this time, the CDC still declines to specifically recommend any particular seasonal influenza vaccine for older adults. Their take is that what's most important is that older adults get vaccinated with any of the available flu vaccines that are available for a person's age. So there are some flu vaccines that are recommended for people who are under age 50. So you wouldn't get one of those, but otherwise they say that whether you get standard dose or high dose, anything that in the table has your age range in it, that is what you should get. So what should you do? For older adults, I've looked at the table. There are 11 options that are available. 
My take is that even though the CDC says you can take any of those 11, I think if you're going to bother getting a flu shot, you should consider getting one of the ones that has been shown to result in a better immune response from older adults. And I specifically lean towards flu zone just because it has a longer track record here in the United States. We have some uh, research studies that have shown that it improves outcomes somewhat. And I feel like with the fluod, we don't yet know much about what that additive's effects might be in the body. So I think it's unlikely that it's going to be harmful to a lot of people, but when in doubt, I tend to go for the option that has the more established track record. And in this case, it would be fluzone high dose. So if you have a choice and it's available, I would lean towards that one. However, if you don't have much of a choice, in principle, any of the 11 seasonal flu vaccines that are available right now is supposed to be better than getting nothing and should provide you with some protection. And just so you know, yearly influenza vaccination is 100% covered by Medicare, no deductible or no copay. So if you get your flu shot from a health provider that accepts Medicare payments, there should be no cost. Now, when I wrote the article on the website, somebody posted a comment saying, well, there are all these choices. I mean, are we supposed to ask the provider for a specific type? I think that actually most health providers are not going to have all 11 flu shots that you could potentially get if you were over age 65 available. My guess is that they're only going to stock one or two or three types, but you can ask them which ones they have. And uh, some people feel like, well, isn't quadrivalent a little better than trivalent because then you're getting protection against four strains of influenza instead of three. That's possible. They say that older adults are less likely to get quite sick from influenza B than influenza A, that it's more children who tend to get quite sick from influenza B. And I think right now we don't yet know whether for older adults it makes a lot of sense to err towards a quadrivalent rather than a trivalent. And besides, there is right now no high-dose quadrivalent vaccine. You may have heard that there was a study published this past summer about a newer influenza vaccine in older adults. That vaccine was tested in people aged 50 and over, not 65 and over. The study compared the effectiveness of a recombinant quadrivalent vaccine with a standard dose quadrivalent inactivated vaccine. So it was kind of a um, recombinant quadrivalent versus inactivated quadrivalent. So those are two different ways of creating the vaccine. And the people who got the recombinant vaccine did have fewer influenza cases than the ones who got the inactivated vaccine. So you know, this suggests that maybe vaccines that are made with recombinant technology are going to provide better protection than the ones that are made with the older inactivated vaccine technology. But this study did not compare the recombinant vaccine against high-dose inactivated vaccine like Fluzone, which is probably the study that we would need to see in geriatrics in order to understand which of those vaccines is better to recommend to older adults. The bottom line is that according to the CDC, what's most important is to get any type of flu vaccination that is approved for your age. And again, I will have a link to the table with all the available vaccines in the show notes so you can look. Research does suggest that older adults are more likely to benefit from a high-dose influenza vaccination, such as fluzone high-dose. So 
I personally think that if you have the choice and you're going to get poked, why not get the high dose one? You might have a slightly greater chance of being sore in the arm, but that's just for a few days. And then you're likely to have better protection throughout the flu season. If you're under age 65, you might get better protection from a flu vaccine that is quadrivalent compared to trivalent, and you might also get better protection from a vaccine that is recombinant rather than made from inactivated vaccine. But again, I don't know that I would spend a lot of time asking your health provider exactly which vaccines do they have and picking and choosing. You're most likely to get benefit by being vaccinated against the flu in the first place is what's probably true. And then you want to be sure to remember if you're under age 50 that this season flu mist, the nasally administered vaccine, is not recommended for anyone of any age. So not for your kids, not for you if you're under age 50. And all flu vaccines for this season will require a needle poke, much to the sorrow of my children who just had their flu shots last week. So now to finish, a couple words on what you can do if your older parent or relative is unwilling or unable to get vaccinated. So I hear this a lot from family members. You know, my mom refuses. She said she's had the flu before. It's not that bad. She, she doesn't like needles. She thinks it'll give her the flu, so on and so forth. I mean, some older adults just don't want to get it. So what can you do? I think, first of all, you want to remember a basic principle whenever you're having a disagreement with somebody else, especially with an older person, you always want to start by listening and inviting the person to express their concerns and, you know, by kind of listening and helping them feel understood and validated. Uh, You don't want to start by reasoning or bringing in statistics because people just shut down. So first start by asking them to clarify what their concerns are. And you just want to understand kind of where they're coming from. Once you've done that, and once people have felt heard and understood, they sometimes, not always, are receptive to some information that can dispel myths and misunderstandings. It also sometimes helps to frame it as a way to help them achieve their goals, to stay out of the hospital, might be a goal that some older people had. For some people, even though they don't feel that motivated to protect their own health, Um, When you point out that it can benefit other people in the family, their older spouse, their other older relatives, their friends, their neighbors, people are sometimes more willing to take action to protect others than they are for themselves. For those older people who say, well, I had the flu before, it wasn't that bad, sometimes gently pointing out that as we get older, our bodies are less resilient and able to fight off the flu. And so just because you had it when you were younger and it wasn't that bad doesn't mean that you're not at higher risk right now. Sometimes that's useful information. Sometimes it doesn't seem to have any effect. Make sure they know they won't have to pay for the flu shot. Sometimes people are concerned about expense and so that can help. And then sometimes it helps to just offer to go together, make it a little family outing. Let's go together and get our flu shots. I'll get mine too. That works for some people. Now, there are, as I mentioned earlier, some older adults for whom it's hard to get a flu shot, people who are homebound or have very limited transportation options. So in that case, as I mentioned earlier, what you want to do is is bear in mind that for that person, their main source of exposure to the flu virus will be from other people coming in. So you want to encourage flu shots for family members, for people working in the house and others who are coming in. Above all, don't panic if your older parent or 
relative or someone you care about can't or won't get a flu shot. I mean, it does make a difference at a population level when people are vaccinated. It does save lives. It does avoid hospitalizations. At the same time, for each individual person, the likelihood that your flu shot will prevent that for you, you know, is small in honesty. So being vaccinated does help reduce your chance of getting sick from from the flu, but people who don't get flu shots usually survive flu season as well. So it's a small thing that can be done that I think doesn't have a lot of downsides other than, you know, the inconvenience and the twinge. And when you get your flu vaccination, you're doing a small part to protect yourself and to protect others from the flu. So I do recommend it, but at the same time, if it doesn't work out, no need to panic. So I hope in listening to this that you will go ahead and get your seasonal flu shot. Hopefully it's well matched this year. And if you're not sure where to go, you can find a place to get one at vaccinefinder.org. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in the episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources I mentioned in this episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes. And I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.